for joining us on After Dark with Robin Andrew on America Out Loud, which is available on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, or head on over to AmericaOutloud.com where you can click the Listen Live tab for 24-7 talk radio. We've got a lot to discuss tonight. We've got on journalist Heather Robinson's going to be joining us, so uh, we're always excited to have her on going to start off the show talking about what's going on, what's happening over in Iran and Syria. Um, an American contractor got killed on Joe Biden's hands. Uh, he counterstriked. And now we're just hearing that there's all kinds of chaos breaking out and a lot of issues uh, could be forthcoming in that region of the world now. We already know about what's going on in Ukraine. And uh, Joe Biden just keeps giving them more and more of American taxpayers' dollars and escalating the war instead of pushing for peace talks. Um, This administration we've got now is just taking us back to the politics of old, the warmongers, people like John Bolton, who I saw the other night was actually trying to say that Joe Biden's foreign policy has been better than President Trump's. And it's like, yeah, he would think that because he is pro-war, as we know. And um, it seems to be what Joe Biden and his administration is pushing. And even people like Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham. This is what they've grown accustomed to throughout their political careers. And you look at what happened with President Trump when he was president, and we didn't have any of this. I mean, uh, we hadn't had the Afghanistan disaster happen yet. Trump did have plans to withdraw from Afghanistan, but I do not believe it would have went the same way. There would have been no chance that he would have left all those millions and millions of dollars worth of American equipment in terrorist hands. He would have been smarter than that. And uh, yeah, it just seems seems to be chaos under Joe Biden. President Trump, I mean, he is unfiltered. That's just who he is. And uh, perhaps he should try and watch himself going into this next election. But uh, this Joe Biden administration, Rob, it's getting bad. Would you agree? I would agree, Andrew. I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in tonight. You're spot on with your opening. And I was going to start up with comments about Joe Biden, but when you mentioned John Bolton, I redirected my thought process. And I want to just give a comment on John Bolton. For John Bolton to say that Joe Biden's foreign policy is good, that shows you the kind of person John Bolton is. John Bolton is not a good man. Joe Biden doesn't have a foreign policy. John Bolton is planning on, so they say, running for the presidency. This guy actually thinks he can be president of the United States after saying that Joe Biden's foreign policy is good? I present to you Mexico and what's happening at our borders. I present to you Russia and Ukraine. We've been in this war for a year. Yes, I said we, because it is a pseudo war for America. Ukraine is just a strawman. Yes, we want to protect these democracies if you can call Ukraine a democracy. But a closer look, you'll see that Ukraine isn't the democracy that the West wants to prop them up as being. We got to step back. We need to look at our own borders as opposed to Ukraine, John Bolton. Does anyone think that Iran would have attacked Syria had Trump been in office? According to the Department of Justice, Iran has attacked U.S.-backed interests 78 times. 78 times since Joe Biden has been in office for how long? All of two years? The Hague issued an warrant arrest for crimes against humanity. Mm. Everyone thought President Z, he's not going to go to Russia now. He got on his plane and went to Russia. The American media is saying, oh, pay no attention to that. That's nothing. What do you mean that's nothing? China is telling you, we don't care what the U.S. thinks. We're moving in. 
They're thinking long-term. We're thinking short-term. We're thinking Joe Biden is the best thing since sliced bread. Joe Biden is a failure. Now, some will say we can't criticize the president of the United States. Well, we criticize Trump. We set precedent. So we're going to criticize Joe Biden, and rightfully so. Joe Biden has a family that is corrupt from all the emails that, that are coming out now. Not made-up stuff. Emails that's showing that Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, got money from Ukraine and China. Millions of dollars. But the media doesn't want to report on it. The media wants you to fight over transgender rights and mutilating our children and turning them into freak shows while Russia and China is thinking long term, they're on the move. So while we're busy trying to define what a woman and a man is, although we know what it is, we on the right, we know what a man is. We know what a woman is. China is laughing at us and eating our lunch. But you got these folks on the left who have Trump derangement syndrome, like Alvin Bragg, that are busy trying to take Trump out and anyone that supports Trump. Supporting Trump is like eating a box of chocolate because you never know what you're going to get. And I'm sure some of you remember the, the movie Forrest Gump. But supporting Biden is a slippery slope to doomsday. This man is incompetent. He should not be in a leadership position. He should be impeached and removed from office. Office. For four years, the left said we need to impeach Trump, and they impeached him twice. They tried to remove him. Now we have a so-called president, I say resident, in office who should be impeached and removed from office before he caused any more damage. Under President Biden, the country has been in complete turmoil, but the media is telling us everything is okay. I dare say it is not okay. Heather, thank you for joining us. What do you say? Thank you guys for having me. Your assessment is very good, Rob. Uh, it's, you know, this whole uh, formulation of peace through strength that we hear from John Bolton and others, I think it's a good principle, it, you know, that you can't appease a bully. But I think that it's being very knee-jerk, broadly applied, very uh, much simplistically applied in the case of Russia. I think it's pretty much taboo to say this for a long time, but I don't know that Putin and the Russians are the classic bullies in this situation. I don't think they wanted a hostile state on their border any more than America would. And I think that we are operating from this flawed premise that they want, they, that this is all about mad desire to take over the world and that there was no position or perspective from the Russian side. And I don't agree with that. As you know, I think that's a misread of the situation. And I, I have thought from the start that rather than projecting strength, this whole gambit with Ukraine is really a kind of meddling in other countries' affairs. I don't think it was, you know, I think that there's been very little critical thinking or dissent allowed and, and tolerated in the U.S. media. And so as a result, I think people, our people, our good American people, in my humble opinion, don't really understand that situation. Um, because I think that if Putin were and the Russians were completely without any kind of position on that, and they were just doing this to terrorize and commit genocide, and I, I think he would have used chemical weapons by now. I think he would have, you know, gone even crazier or turned around because there's been the whole piling in of the whole world. But I think instead, I think Russia sees this as an existential struggle for its survival. I think there was an element of that from the beginning. Beginning, and from now, for now, for sure they do, that the whole world has piled on. So I, I hate to say it, but I see us 
in many ways, not the American people who I think mean well because they've been fed a very sim- simplified um, story that there was there was no mutuality to that conflict that this was just a, a big bad authoritarian evil dictator you know beating up on a little country for no reason I mean they don't know our, our American people I have the sense don't really know what our elites are doing in our name namely pushing this NATO obsession despite Putin saying many 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 times this was an absolute red line for the Russians. They wanted the assurance that we were not going to turn Ukraine into a satellite Western state, a hostile state to Russia on their border. And our elites absolutely patently refused to give him that assurance. That's why he invaded. I'm not defending what he did. I don't like any war that isn't purely a war of absolute necessity or self-defense. I don't approve of it. I don't agree with that, whether we're doing it or he's doing it. But I think that this has been misrepresented uh, to the American people. And, you know, as a consequence, I mean, I, I, I think it's absolutely no surprise that he hasn't turned around. They see this as existential and Russia's not going to turn around anytime soon. And as we keep pouring and pouring firepower and weapons, I don't see any resolution of this anytime soon. These people are just going to be decimated. These Ukrainians, it's terrible. And supposedly we're doing this to help them, but it's it's an illogical situation. It can't There's just no resolution. I mean, King George, as I said last time, did not have nuclear weapons. You know, people think of this as like a little free country, which, you know, I agree with you, Rob, that's that's also something of an oversimplification and a distortion. I think Ukraine was moving towards some kind of democracy, but it was, you know, there were a lot of problems. It isn't as clear cut as a pure democracy against, uh, you know, an authoritarian regime. There was plenty of problems and, you know, elements of authoritarianism within Ukraine. The the bottom line is I'm not trying to, you know, I feel for those people at this point, you know, who who wouldn't, but I I have a sense that this whole project is very wrongheaded. I think it may be the worst foreign policy call in the history of this country. Um, And I think there's very little tolerance for any kind of dissent, you know, so I do not think there will be any course correction anytime soon. And I think we could be headed for, you know, I I don't want to be catastrophic. I mean, I hope it's not going to be World War III. Better case scenario, it drags on for the next two to five years and many hundreds of thousands of people more die unnecessarily until it grinds to some, you know, mutually unsatisfactory resolution like Vietnam, Iraq and Afghanistan. That's probably what will happen, which is enough of a shame, but it could escalate. I just think, you know, this is we're, we're, we're being led by a ship of fools on this, you know, and I hate to have been correct about it, but believe me, I would have been thrilled to be wrong and see Russia turn around. But as I predicted a year ago, I didn't think that would happen. I do not think that will happen anytime soon. I think this is utter madness. It wasn't America's fight. You know, the Cuban Missile Crisis, you know, analogy is not without some basis. We did not tolerate Russia coming here into our hemisphere. By the way, Cuba is not America. Cuba is its own country. And they wanted the Russians there. Some of them did anyway. They were communists. They are communists. By, by our logic, you know, we should have allowed them to, to occupy Cuba and put missiles there because that's what we wanted to do in Ukraine. 
and they wouldn't tolerate it any more than we would. So, you know, I just think enough is enough with that. I don't think it's making us look strong. They misread the situation. No, I agree with you saying yeah. not to cut you up. You said this. That has been your position for almost a year now. And you caution everyone about Ukraine. And now a year later, we are still in Ukraine. We had said that we weren't going to give them air missiles. And we're doing that. I mean, we're backtracking on everything that we said. And now we have our other adversaries that are looking at this. They don't take Biden seriously. They don't fear Biden. Why would Iran lob missiles at Syria? This is the Iran that everyone is saying, we need to re-enter the Iran nuclear deal. Where's John Kerry? He was going overseas while Trump was in office, working behind Trump's back. They should call John Kerry in and they can testify and say, whose side are you on? We've got to get serious about this, folks. We've got to get serious because we have players within our country that are working against us. They worked against us for four years when Trump was in office. They threw up the whole Russia collusion and it was a complete fabricated lie. Hillary Clinton was behind the fake dossier. John Durham should have been able to get a conviction with Michael Sussman. And had he done that, I mean, things would have just fallen into place and everything would have been exposed. But the judge hearing the case gave so much latitude to the left to make it impossible for John Durham to get a a conviction. And here we are now on the precipice. Hear me clearly on the precipice of World War Three. It may not happen today. It may not happen tomorrow. But we are marching in that direction. We are marching down a slippery slope of doomsday because of Joe Biden's lack of leadership. I don't trust Lloyd Austin because they're part of the military industrial complex. They will see us doomed. And if we have to go to war, I submit to you, Andrew and Heather, who's going to fight? Do you think these people that are sitting there fighting backwards and forth about transgender, do you think they're going to be at the forefront? No. I'll tell you who will be at the forefront. Are men and women in small towns like East Palestine, Ohio, whom Biden has just turned his back on because they didn't vote for him. They're in the middle of a crisis with the oil rig that blew up, derailed, the train that derailed. Those are the people that will send their sons and daughters to fight and defend America because these other knuckleheads, they won't do it because they're being taught that America is bad. Our values are bad. So it will be middle America who will send their sons and daughters to fight a war to protect us. I get it. Trump is erratic. Trump is, I mean, like I said, it's like a box of candy. You don't know a box of chocolate. You don't know what you're going to get with Trump. But I will tell you one thing. He loves this country. And if he were in office, all these players, these foreign players that are acting out, they would not do it. But they see an opportunity with a weak leader like Joe Biden. I think that I think that Trump was not as erratic as people, some people who hated him thought. This is a president who everyone said was going to be starting World War III. But I submit to you, there were no new wars under President Trump. I think he was the most, probably the most anti-war president of my lifetime. I think that he had more feeling for our troops. That's my opinion. But the bottom line is, I don't think he was interested in committing our troops, our young men and women, having them return with limbs gone dying in foreign lands for hubris and pride and all this puffed up, ridiculous nonsense uh, that we're going to expand ourselves and create the world in our own image. 
I think he he recognized Americans are are getting wise to the reality that that doesn't work. It did not help America. It did not strengthen America. You know, as you guys know, his focus was America first, which is is a kind of legitimate pride, I think, in our country and securing our borders and boosting our economy and focusing, you know, on ourselves in a good way, instead of trying to make other countries and cultures into little versions of us, which has been a big failure again and again. I think that he probably listened. Nobody knows what would have been in the past is prologue. You know, we are where we are. But I know he has talked about that he thinks he could uh, secure a peace deal between Russia and Ukraine. And he got along with everyone. He was, you know, he is a deal maker. That's his mindset. He didn't, you know, make his career, you know, in the military. Not that, you know, listen, we need our military. We respect it. And if heaven forbid we are attacked, we need it to be able to defend us. So I have regard, the deepest gratitude and regard for our military. But I, I think that you're right, that there are some people who um, maybe it's greed, maybe they believe they're doing the right thing, but they see the answer to all problems as, you know, being tough and fighting and, you know, violence. And, you know, yes, you want to project strength. Yes, you want to be able to fight if heaven forbid you need to and you want to, you know, fight to win if you have to. But, you know, it's like the old, you know, speak softly and carry a big stick. Just being a hothead and throwing yourself into every fight, that is not strength. That is not strength. And it it does not garner respect. And I think that, you know, what Trump projected was a kind of different strength. I mean, I think he was perceived as crazy, but I think that worked in his favor and in our favor, because I think these other countries were less likely to try him. So I think that there was that factor. And the reality is he's a person who's made his life out of making deals and working with different people, contrary to the image of him as some kind of, you know, out of control hothead. I think there was a method to his madness. I think he, you know, knew how to you know, rile people up. Yes. But he also knew how to sit down with people, you know, and we've seen that. And sometimes we don't like it. You know, he'll he'll meet with Kim Jong-un and and, uh, who's the fellow who, you know, said the anti-Semitic thing, Kanye and whatever, you know, but he has this ability to work with everybody pretty much. And I think that definitely, you know, I mean, gosh, both sides of this Russia-Ukraine thing have taken such a beating, this would be the time to to work out some kind of deal. You know, I was thinking about the movie All Quiet on the Western Front. I don't know if you guys saw that. It, it you know, was nominated for an Oscar for Best Picture. Um, it's Eric Maria Remarque's uh, novel of, about World War One. you know, brought to the screen. And there's a scene near the end where, you know, they, they're negotiating a peace uh, you know, Germany's been beaten after all this terrible war and the diplomats are holding out for a last, last little piece of land. And it's like the German diplomat digs in hard and he will not concede. He will not make the peace. And the fighting continues. And that last day is when the hero of the story, the protagonist, dies. He dies because you know, the the idea of, you know, giving up a little land is such an insult to the pride of Germany. They'd rather see people, you know, young men get their limbs blown off and die horrible deaths. And I think there's a real lesson in that book 
for all these overly militaristic countries, you know, including, frankly, our own these days. You know, yes, there's, you know, you can't capitulate on everything. You've got to defend your borders. You've got to defend your people. But, you know, the lives of your young men and women, you know, and the horror of all this, it's not worth it so that Ukraine can have a little more of the Don bath. It's ridiculous that, you know, this is about power and borders. It's their conflict. We've already helped them in hugely, you know, whether you believe that's right or wrong, we start, no one can say they have not been helped. And, you know, it cannot go on forever just so that somebody on the other side of the world can have a little more land. It's, it's, it's madness. It's, it's pride, you know, which is a sin. And you don't put pride before life, you know, and I think that it's time for our leaders to get some perspective. Um, and I think we really need to hear a, an anti-war, a pro-peace, not not a capitulation to, you know, I mean, you, you know, yes, okay, if, if, if somebody were committing a genocide, if, uh, you know, they were coming here and taking over, yes, you know, then we'd be fighting to win. But we thank God that isn't the situation, that isn't the truth. And this is not that extreme a situation. It needs to be worked out by somebody who's got a cooler head and can work out the details of some kind of a, a compromise. You know, we, he, we hear this all the time about Israel, that Israel has to sit down with, I mean, it's no easier for Israel to sit down with, you know, hostile enemies and, and you know, have ceasefires and peace agreements than it will be for the Ukrainians. And, you know, I don't see why, you know, but the bottom line is different warring groups around whether you're talking about in Ireland, Catholics and Protestants, you're talking about Jews and Arabs in the Middle East, you're talking about Russians and Ukrainians. These people ultimately are going to have to live alongside each other. You know, there is no perfect world for either one of them. I'm sorry. But I mean, this idea that the fighting should continue forever and, you know, because of some absolutist prideful notion that no Russian should be on an inch of their Ukrainian land. I mean, that's, you know, a utopian kind of obsessive perfectionistic vision that I don't see why we should be committing the lives of our people and our entire economy to. It's madness and somebody needs to speak up about it. And I think that, you know, maybe Trump is that person. So, you know, I, I, I don't, you know, I don't think the course we're on is any good. I'm with you guys. And let's put it this way. If Biden has this right in his administration, then that's the only thing they've gotten right. Because between the economy, the COVID lockdowns, the madness of the Afghanistan total withdrawal, I mean, they've gotten everything wrong. I doubt they've gotten this right. And I think you're right. He and Kamala and all of them really need to go. Yeah, hopefully uh, we've only got another year and a half of this left and we can get him out. And you look at this Ukraine war, it looks like it's um, the United States of America and Canada who are doing a lot of the heavy lifting as far as donating money. Um, they are the top donors, it seems like recently, who just keep pushing for this war. And that seems to be the direction that Joe Biden and his administration are head heading which I think is very unfortunate. And I don't think the American people want any part of that. And I hope uh, President Trump really um, harps on that when he's running for president this time around. And I'm sure he will. You're tuned into After Dark with Robin Andrew, which is available on America Out Loud's iHeartRadio channel Monday through Friday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 
9 p.m. Central or 7 p.m. on the West Coast. We'll be back with more After Dark with Robin Andrew with special guest Heather Roberts. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution Cofix RX. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix RX nasal solution cleanse. That's cofixrx.com. Save 20% by using promo code out loud at cofixrx.com. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years, but our diet and the way we eat has, creating an environment in your mouth for bacteria to wreak havoc on your teeth and gums. For better oral health, get Spry Dental Defense, an oral care line designed to combat acid-creating bacteria. The toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and gum all contain xylitol, a natural ingredient shown to dramatically improve oral health. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural retailers. So we are back with After Dark with Robin Andrew. So much has transpired since Biden has taken office. Past week, past date, past moment. And it's never ending. And I know that a lot of people said that when Trump was in office, we were constantly on a roller coaster ride. And as I opened up saying... With Trump, it's like eating a box of chocolates, whereas with Biden, you're on a slippery slope to doomsday. And we see that taking place right now. The mainstream media will not report on it, but we see it. They're telling you, don't believe your eyes. Now, going back to Trump, past couple of days or weeks, we saw that there was a possibility. So we heard, he said on Truth Social, that he was going to be indicted handcuffed, arrested, handcuffed, mugshot, whatnot. And people just went berserko, especially those on the left, because that's what they want. They want to see Trump in handcuffs with a mugshot. And I don't know, Andrew, if you and Heather saw the memes that went out on Trump. And these were by Trump supporters that created these memes. And I found them rather hilarious with him running away from the police, they handcuffing him, and he's standing up and he's trying to fight them off. And... <laughs> It didn't take place. Trump wasn't arrested. The women on The View, they were like, oh, no, come on. Finally, we got our, we have our moment. CNN thought they had their moment. Rachel Maddow, who thought she had her moment once she someone leaked unlawfully Trump's tax returns to her, and she built that up for ratings. And, oh, she's got the tax returns, and that was a dud. But think about this. All these people on the left are claiming that they've got something on Trump. And whatever they have on Trump, they probably got illegally, but no one is going after them. Whereas on the right, when Trump said protest, all oh, he's saying go out and riot. He's going to create havoc. He's a dangerous man. New York City. How many people do you think voted for Trump? New York City is 99 or 90% Democrat. So do you actually think that you're going to find enough people that's going to come here and take down the city? But the left wants you to believe that that's going to happen. It's like it's impossible unless they bust people from outside the state here to create a ruckus, or if they secretly put the FBI out there posing as Trump supporters. Now, toward the end of last week, we read that someone sent white powder to D.A. Bragg's office with the threatening message, death. And of course, they pointed to Trump. This is Trump's fault. Now, never mind you, when Trump was in office, of the chaos created by 
the left when they were telling people to go out in the streets, telling people to confront Trump supporters and tell them that they're not welcome. And they did it because Maxine Waters said to do it. They did it. Even Ivanka Trump, when she was on an airplane, you had supporters of the left accosting she and her children, screaming at her. I don't even think the man was arrested, but that's okay. The media is okay with that. Why is that? There are two forms of justice. I will admit, and I will concede, that Trump does have a tendency of stepping on his own message. And I think during the last segment, I said that he's a bit erratic. And I didn't mean erratic in that, you know, he's causing trouble. No, it's like you can't figure him out. I will give that to you. Yes, he does have a tendency of doing it. And sometimes I cringe. I'm like, please, like when he came out and there was a truth social with him holding a baseball bat. And then there was D.A. Alvin Bragg. I'm like, oh, no, don't do it because you're giving them fodder. You're giving them fuel. But then when you look at the left, you look around you, you're openly saying, go after the right. Remember Eric Holder, who said that when they go low, we go lower and we kick them when they're down? No one thought anything of it. They were okay with that. Mm -hmm. I mean, during the whole shutdown, the COVID shutdown, look at these guys. They didn't go, they didn't go inside. They were out rioting. Notice I didn't say protesting, burning down federal buildings. A month ago, you had Antifa hiding in the woods. <laughs> That's so hilarious. They were virtually living in the woods, guys, in Atlanta, waiting for the police department to open up a training center for police. Once they opened it up, these miscreants stormed out of the woods to attack, and the media barely covered it, barely covered it. And they said, well, this is what happens when people get angry and mad. Remember Muriel Browser even said that, no, no, it wasn't Muriel Browser. It was the mayor, I think, of Baltimore who said, give people some space, allow them to act out their frustration, allow them to burn mm -hmm. buildings. You had the same thing in Atlanta. They're openly going mm -hmm. before mics and they're saying this, they're telling people, they're telling mm -hmm. people that support the left to go out. You have a right to do it. Give them their space. It's okay. And then you have Kamala Harris mm -hmm. who will come behind people them. Died. And yeah, people died. People were died. There was a little girl killed by, by BLM protesters in Atlanta. I mean, I don't think they intended to kill her, but the, her mother drove into a Wendy's and they had a, a unruly protest going on there for weeks and weeks. And somebody opened fire on the car and killed this little girl. And, you know, and in Portland, a young man, a teenager, you know, was, was shot and the ambulance couldn't get in because Antifa was blocking, you know, and all that happened because this was allowed to go on and on and on and on. And there were innocent lives, black lives lost. They happened to be black children, those two, you know, and, and where was the justice for them, you know? Um, you know, I understand that little girl in Atlanta, her family did sue the city. I, 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 you know, I haven't followed the rest of the lawsuit, but they did unruly protests where there was violence going on for months, you know, and, and there were casualties. There were people hurt and killed who had absolutely nothing to do with the death of George Floyd. And this was not justice. And, and, you know, I think there's something very wrong with the idea that, that that was encouraged, I mean, obviously that was irresponsible, as you said, Rob, irresponsible on the part of our leaders. And now we're in a situation where it's like the conservatives of the country are, it's like, 
I, you know, I get it. January 6th was awful. Things took a bad turn and that was violent and, and wrong. But, you know, I mean, now we're in a situation where it's like no conservative is even allowed to exercise his or her right to protest peacefully. You know, I mean, that was that that day was was what happened was very wrong. And I'm not downplaying it, but I'm saying that, like, why should only one side in this country have the right to protest? They have the right to protest not for one day, but for weeks and months of violence. But, you know, heaven forbid a Trump supporter would would come out to protest that somehow there's like been a chilling effect on uh, even though there were years and many years of Tea Party protests and Trump rallies where there was virtually zero violence, you know, because of one day now we see a chilling effect on the right and, you know, on conservatives and our legitimate right to protest, I think, which I mean, the whole thing is just very totally uneven. And, and, you know, I mean, everybody should have the right to peacefully protest, you know, but it's like one side has the right to violent protest. The other side has no right to protest at all anymore, is what it feels like. Well, it's not only that it feels like, that's what we see. When Trump said, go out and protest, they immediately took that and said, oh, he meant to go out and riot. They're going to cause complete chaos. Whereas you have Maxine Waters and you have Nancy Pelosi and you have Cory Booker, you have Kamala Harris that are telling us on TV that there will, that people aren't going to settle down, that this will continue. They will continue rioting. We have representatives on the Hill who said the exact same thing, that people need to go out. They need to act out. They need to show their outrage. And Keisha Bottoms in Atlanta, the mayor, when that kid was killed, she was promoting this, and where is she now? She's now in the White House as a senior advisor. Well, but she did, Rob. I will say this. Remember, she finally did put a stop to it. She and the operative said, word is she, she finally. Said, she finally. That's yes, the operative but she word, was very blunt with them, and she said, "You cannot blame the police for this one. You killed a baby, and enough's enough." And I, I did give her credit for that. I mean, she was one of the few liberal leaders who finally told these protesters, you know, don't you dare blame the police for this one. You did it, you, and this stops today. And you're right, it shouldn't have taken that. But at least she spoke some truth, you know. She did. She finally finally came around and she spoke some truth. But even with that, I think that the damage has been done. They have to be called out consistently all the time. And I think that Republicans or conservatives are afraid to call them out because they're afraid of being called a racist. And they're going to be called a racist regardless. We have right now, Mm -hmm. I was looking at the news and there's someone in Biden's administration. I'm going through my notes now because I want to see if I can find her name. I wrote it down somewhere. I can't think of it. But she's supposed to be the head of diversity. And she sent out a couple of tweets attacking, right out attacking white Americans. And she said, I'm so tired of them. I wish they would just go away. This is the America that we live in. And this all came about under O'Biden. I'm not (laughs) O'Biden, Obama, O'Biden, a combination. It started with Obama. It manifested itself under Trump. They started calling everything racist because they were trying to get at him. And then with Biden, it came into bloom everywhere, everywhere you look. And there's no accountability, the same way there's no accountability with the way the country is sliding farther and farther to doomsday. There's no accountability because the media, 
that Trump identified as the mm -hmm. enemy of the people. And I believe him when he said it, and I see it myself. They refuse to hold these people accountable. What kind of country when we, can we have when everyone is against each other? How can we build ourselves up? And as we said before, the last time you were here, that Obama gave a speech, I think it was during the 2024 election, that there is no red America, there's no blue Americas, we're all United States of America. Did he believe that when he said it? Because if he did, you would think he would be out right now speaking out against what's happening in our country. You would think that he would be, he would elevate himself as being the statesman and saying, we can't do this, come together. We have difference of opinions, but where we are now, it is a dangerous space, especially given the fact that China and Russia are coming together. Folks, believe what you see. This was not a mistake. They are sending out a message loud and clear. When you have China trying to create, well, not trying, but they have created their own currency and they have gone into all these countries and saying, we will help you with your infrastructure. But when you pay us back, it has to be with our currency. When you have China clearly trying to devalue the dollar and Biden is telling us, oh, don't worry about it. Well, he's going to say that because he's compromised, because he knows that he and his family cabal have been working with China. They have been receiving payments. And what good is that going to do us? You have people saying, oh, well, Hunter Biden and his uncle, they have a right as private citizens to make a living and to create a business. I'm okay with that. But when you cannot call out what they're doing, the illegal activity, when you cannot call out that they're selling out America, when you cannot call out that they're giving China our energy, that they're allowing China to go to Africa and mine for cobalt, the cobalt that will be needed for green energy, and who on whose back is that cobalt being mined on? Below the backs of Black people in Africa. When you can't call that out, there's a problem. And Obama is not calling it out. Neither is this administration. You have Jean Karim Pierre who refuses to answer any of these questions. You have the media treating her with kid gloves. Whereas when Trump's White House press secretaries were there, they would attack them viciously. Where is the justice? It's not fair. But we're told, oh, it's okay. They, Trump's people shouldn't be treated that way because they were racist and they were white supremacist. They've taken all conservatives and just dumped them into one bucket. Remember Hillary Clinton talking about that basket of deplorables? Well, look at how conveniently they've managed to create it. And no one is saying anything about it. We're just walking around as if there was a badge of honor allowing this to take place, allowing our country to fall down, to slide down that slippery slope of doomsday. Though some of you will say, oh, you're being too dramatic. Oh, this is not going to happen. They said the same thing with Hitler. You look at all the other wars that have taken place, all the other atrocities that have taken place. We look the other way. During World War II, we look the other way. Oh, it will be okay. They'll, they'll settle it. They'll resolve this. When Stalin and Lenin and all those other guys, they were meeting each other. We look the other way. They said, oh, it's not going to impact us. But it is impacting us now because it's impacting our bottom line. When you have a majority of what are goods being created overseas in China, in Bangladesh, in India, India too, they're working with China and their currency. Now, just imagine when we have all of our manufacturing that is being created overseas and we say, oh, what are we going to do? And China says, cut it off. And then we have nothing. And you know what will happen? You will have the elitists here that are telling us green energy. They will secretly through back channels work out deals 
to help themselves, while the ones who don't have that influence will be made to suffer. Wake up, America. This is not good, Andrew. You're tuned into After Dark with Robin Andrew on America Out Loud, which is available on America Out Loud's iHeartRadio channel Monday through Friday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Central, or 7 p.m. on the West Coast. We'll be back with more After Dark with Robin Andrew. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. America Out Loud beats to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, you're troubled, confused, glad, and thankful. Well, we know you because we are you. AmericaOutloud.com. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. The liberty and justice for all. We're back here on After Dark with Robin Andrew with special guest Heather Robinson, and we've been discussing a lot of the differences between a Joe Biden administration and what the Donald Trump administration looked like. And it is obviously night and day. We've talked about the foreign policy a lot. We've talked about uh, some of the differences in the economy a little bit. And uh, I think it is clear that President Trump is the man for the job in 2024. He's got a proven track record of getting it done. Of course, with an election coming up, we see a lot of um, back and forth between Republicans already, uh, people already getting in uh, Ron DeSantis' camp, getting in Donald Trump's camp. But uh, I don't know about you guys, but I think Donald Trump is the man for the job. I do like Ron DeSantis. Um, I do not think he should run for president this time around since President Trump has already announced that he is running. Uh, President Trump elevated his political career so, um, yeah, I, I'm going to ride with President Trump here in 2024. Obviously, President Trump needs to stay disciplined, stay on message, hammer home all these things that Joe Biden has done to our country. But, uh, Rob, what are your thoughts? Are you uh, sticking with Trump or bust here? It look, is it looking like that for 2024 for you? Well, I want to stick with Trump. I want Trump to allow me to stick with him, but he has got to, to be disciplined, as I said. It, I mean, supporting him is like opening up a box of chocolate. You don't know what you're going to get. Now, as far as Biden, there is no way in heck I will support him. I, I mean, I hear some Republicans that are saying, well, you know, I'm not going to support Trump and there has to be someone else. And I'm just going to wait and see. And if he gets a nomination, I don't know if I can vote for him, but I'm not going to vote for a Democrat. But you just did. If you don't vote for Trump and you just sit out the election, you're voting for the Democrat. 
And if that Democrat is Biden, he will walk in there. And there's, this is that's something else that we've got to realize, which you have a lot of people that are saying that we can't vote for Biden uh, but because we want someone else, but we know we definitely can't vote for Trump. So if Trump is a nominee, the left is saying that Biden will be able to beat him and that the Democrats want to run Biden against Trump because they know that Biden can beat him. But see, that's a misnomer. And you got to look at this carefully as to what they're saying. Biden technically can't beat Trump because there are a lot of people on the left that don't like him. But at the same time, the people on the left that don't like him, they have a fierce hate for Trump. So they would probably sit out and not vote for either candidate. And then that's where the media would come in and all these billionaires who are already laying out a plot to steal the election again, be it mail in balance, be it ballot harvesting. And that's where you, you can't really look and say, hey, they're trying to keep people from voting because they're always saying that Republicans are trying to keep blacks from voting, which is a misnomer. You don't believe that. That is a complete lie. What they're doing is that if you don't vote for their candidate, that's when they want to stop you from voting. Everyone now should have an ID. I mean, come on. This is 2023. The people from way back when that didn't have an ID that because they couldn't find a birth certificate, they're all dead. They're gone. But everyone now in America should have an ID, including illegal aliens. And those are the people that the Democrats want to vote. We can't fool ourselves when they're saying, oh, we just want them to vote in the local elections. No, you don't. They're lying. They are liars. They're lying to you in your face. They don't care about that. They want them to vote. Do not doubt me on that. But I will support Trump. He has to be disciplined. I think that Ron DeSantis, is, he's a good man. I don't think that it's his time. But there's a lot that could happen between now and the time we vote. But we've got to get the right candidate. Joe Biden is extremely weak. We know that the media, they're going to prop him up if he decides to run. We know that Jill is going to put him back out there. But at the same time, Heather, they will cheat. Well, I think that DeSantis is a good man, but I think we need major course correction. And for that, we need Trump because he is the only one who has shown that he will stand up to a corrupt, misguided establishment that has taken over our country. Um, I don't mean to be melodramatic. You know, I think that maybe some of these people aren't all bad and maybe they mean well, but the border's out of control. The economy's lousy. We are in a pointless, another unending war with no good end in sight. You know, we need strength here so that if, God forbid, we are attacked here and we have to go to a real war, we can win it. That's another big thing we haven't even touched on is how, you know, with pouring resources into somebody else's fight is, you know, God forbid we have a real war on our hands. And this isn't just a play fun thing for Americans to put on their Facebook pages, you know, the Ukrainian flag. But, you know, we actually have to fight a war for real. God forbid we Americans don't want to know what it would take. And, you know, all these play wars. I'm not trying to say our troops are, I mean, our troops are courageous and have done everything we've asked them to do. There's nothing play about that for them. But I'm saying the people who have, have gotten us into these protracted wars that were not wars of self-defense for our country, you know, for them, it's play for these so-called leaders. And see, that's what I don't think Trump would do to us. I think Trump is more pragmatic. I think he has more basic regard for the lives and limbs of our troops. I don't think he's going to get us into, you know, half-assed 
conflicts that we're not prepared to win because we don't need to win them because they're not existential. I think he would batten down the hatches and strengthen this country. And that is what we desperately need. That said, I would take any leader, you know, any conservative leadership over what we have now, which is a disaster on every front. So I would like to see, I mean, I think if Trump and DeSantis could run together, um, that might work. Uh, I don't, I don't know that they'd be willing to do that, but I think they'd be a force. You know, and I think the last thing we need as conservatives is to be infighting and tearing each other's candidates down. I think that's just going to lose it for us. So, you know, I'm riding with Trump, you know, but I think if it's DeSantis, I'll support him all the way. Right. You're right. We uh, and we said this earlier on through one of, in one of our shows that I don't want a protracted primary whereby you have Republicans that are being brutal. And I hear what they're saying. Some on the right, they're saying, oh, well, this is good. We need to debate and we need to know what they're stand for. We need to know this. I mean, to me, that's all nonsense. Right. When you're getting into a debate and you start attacking each other viciously, Andrew, I think it's crazy. Right. And we've put together some of the pieces to the puzzle, because at first when President Trump came out attacking Ron DeSantis like he was, we're kind of like, what is he doing? Why would he just randomly attack the governor of Florida? But obviously he knew something that we weren't really thinking about at the time, that Ron DeSantis is already appearing around the country. I mean, he was in California, Nevada recently. He's obviously going to run for president, and President Trump obviously um, heard that news, maybe talked to Ron DeSantis, and he's a little bit offended that Ron DeSantis is still going to run, even though President Trump is going to run for president. And President Trump is smart enough to know that that would be his main competition in a Republican primary. So um, that makes a little bit more sense to me why President Trump started taking a little bit more uh, pot shots at Ron DeSantis when at first it did seem pretty random, didn't it, Rob? It did seem random. And for all we know, this if DeSantis is the nominee, this might make him stronger so that he can go against the attacks on the left because they're going to attack him. They've already started attacking. They're calling him the white supremacist candidate. They're saying that he's destroyed Florida. If he has destroyed Florida, why is it that so many people from liberal California and liberal New York are moving to Florida? Why are they moving there? Because they like the way it is governed. People want to be I do believe that Trump, he would be that man. I doubt our adversaries, our enemies would go against him. But right now, during the period of uncertainty, during the Biden years, the Biden regime, they know that he's weak. He is weak. He is weak. I don't care how many times the media tries to say, oh, and he gave a great speech. He is a frail leader. We can't pretend that he isn't. He has aged considerably. You look at every president that entered the office, with the exception of Donald Trump. You look at the two Bushes, you look at Clinton, you look at Obama. They went into office looking very young and vibrant. They left looking like old men. You look at Joe Biden from day one, he was inaugurated. And you look at him now, completely different individuals. You look at Joe Biden, the senator, when he was taking classified documents from the Senate and taking it home, hoping that we wouldn't find out about it. Only years later or decades later, we know that he did do it. But look at that Biden, a completely different man. Every day, he is a completely different man. He is out of his league. He is feeble. He can't lead us. He cannot lead us, Heather. And I'm I'm very fearful of it. And a lot of this bravado is what I I think, you know, yes, peace through strength is a a nice, it's a a maxim that has some truth to it. But I don't think this is real strength. 
effect. And I think the world knows it, whether it's pouring hundreds of billions of dollars into a proxy war that, look, I'm not saying we should be fighting it. I don't think it's our war, you know, but the truth is no war should be fought that isn't necessary. And you know what I mean? If it's so necessary, strength would be to go fight it and finish it. But it's like our young men and women aren't going to want to die for Ukraine, nor should they. And I think the world knows that. So this is a kind of pretend war. It's like it's almost to me like a little kid who isn't tough, you know, trying to, as we say in Pennsylvania, jag off the bully from a distance, you know, but you're better off if you're not prepared to really fight to just mind your own business. I mean, it isn't strength to make faces at the bully from across the room. And that's what I see this as. And I think that's what the world sees it as, because that's what it is. And, you know, why, if, if this is peace through strength and we're so strong, why is Iran jagging us off now? You know, because they know that, you know, we're not fighting that war for real because it's, it's play. It's not real for us, for Americans. Yeah, it's real for the Ukrainians and the Russians. They're the ones dying. And it's very sad. But, you know, it's like something for Americans to put on their Facebook page. It isn't making us look tough. It's very tragic. It's like getting to play at war from a distance. It doesn't project strength. And I think we're seeing that, you know, and John Bolton and all these people can sit there and spout cliches about peace through strength. But I think these terrorists and these, you know, malign forces see right through that. You know, it's a game for most Americans. They know we're soft. And that's fine. I'm not suggesting we should go over there and fight the war. I'm just saying if we're not willing to, then, you know, we need to, you know, just force correct and try to, you know, help these people to reach some kind of a, 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 you know, a resolution and not keep playing at a pretend war. And we need to strengthen ourselves so that if God forbid, we wind up in an actual war where we really have to defend our families and our interests, we can win. And I just think that this whole thing is like, you know, some kind of kabuki theater where, you know, Americans are just, you know, ill-informed about the intricacies of this conflict on the other side of the world. I just, I, you know, and as far as the other things, yes, you know, we see a, a double standard here at home. One side gets to not just protest, but to become violent, not just for days or weeks, but for months. The other side now, because of one bad day of violence, is is cautioned against even exercising our legitimate right to protest. So people see that the law is being unevenly applied and they're losing respect for the law. And, you know, we can't <laughs> enforce our own border. You know, we're, we have a hypocritical policy where we employ thousands of people to do a tough job policing the border, and then they're vilified for doing their job by half the population. You know, it's, it's like we're, we're saying one thing and doing another for decades now. So nobody has any respect for our borders or our boundaries. And it's just it's completely dysfunctional. So, yeah, I think that um, we have uh, a big problem, you know, with a lack of strength at home. And I, I just think that, you know, any conservative leadership would be an improvement on what we have. But I I do think Trump has demonstrated that he's the one person, that, you know, who has the money of his own. You know, I'm not saying he's so perfect, but he's able to have a little bit of independence from this establishment that has gotten too bloated, too removed from the basic interests of the American people.
and serving our interests. I don't, you know, I, I don't claim to understand it all, Rob, but, you know, I do think you're correct that there is a military industrial complex that serves itself. I'm not saying everybody in there is evil and trying to do wrong. I think some of them may be decent folks who think they're doing the right thing, but, you know, they, their careers are based on this, on, you know, fighting wars, buying more, developing huge numbers of weapons and going, in the case of the diplomatic corps, to, you know, Davos and discussing all this stuff. And it's, it's like all theoretical, but that's, that's what they, what that's their bread and butter. You know, they have an interest, they have a conflict of interest, they have an interest in seeing things a certain way. You know, it's not their kids who are going to get sent to the front lines. It's not their retirement money that's going to be lost. You know, I mean, for them, resources are endless, you know, to just keep pouring and pouring more money and riskier gambits into this thing, you know, in Ukraine. They don't have, there's no downside for them as an individual. They're not going to be sent to the front lines. They're not going to lose their job, you know, over it. It can go on for the next five, 10 years for them. But, you know, it could have terrible consequences for ordinary Americans and it needs to stop. It's enough enough. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we've seen that we have a proven track record of extending these wars. And as Rob said, uh, President Trump might be like a box of chocolates. But one thing we do know for sure about President Trump is there will be strength through peace. And that's what we saw the first time around. And uh, obviously, as we broke down tonight, the differences could not be more clear between Joe Biden and President Trump. We thank you all for joining us. Thank you, Heather, for coming on once again. Uh, Great show tonight. And thank you for listening to After Dark with Robin Andrew on America Out Loud, which is available on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, or wherever you stream. Or you can go to AmericaOutloud.com and click the Listen Live tab for 24-7 Talk Radio. We'll see you guys next time. And remember, stand for something or fall for nothing. <laughs>